0: by Sports Interaction, Canada sports book.
1: Welcome to Game Over Montreal. I am Andrew Berkshire. I've got a great grasp with me today, Sebastian High. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff, like the Montreal Canadiens just losing a game to the Colorado Avalanche, a game that they very much deserve to lose. But, uh, you know, Jake Allen, he did his thing. It's been a consistent thing this year that the Canadiens' goaltending has bailed them out time and time again. So we're going to talk about Arturi Lekanen, because how could we not talk about Artur Lekanen? He scored on his... Former team tonight played great, and uh, we're also going to talk about some draft eligibles for this upcoming season. Because you know, Canadians fans they're they're a little bit sad when the Canadians lose, and they also seem to be a little bit upset when the Canadians win because you want to continue to get this tank going, right? But at least the Florida Panthers are there to keep losing and give the Canadians yet another shot at a top end pick. All right, let's get this show on the road. But before we do. You think you know the way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction, whether it's hockey, football, or basketball. Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets, like that Cole Caulfield 50-goal bet. It's looking decent, you know? He just keeps consistently finding ways to score. Almost did it tonight. And we're going to talk about Cole Caulfield, by the way, on tonight, because there's lots to talk about. Uh, sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. You want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right. I'm going to welcome my guest, uh, Sebastian. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I've got uh, myself set on the other camera, so let me just switch that and zoom real quick so you guys can actually see Sebastian. There we go. That's fixed. You don't need double Andrew on, on the screen here. Nobody actually wants that. All right, first of all, Sebastian, happy holidays, because this is my last show uh, before the break. Uh, a little bit of a like a minor announcement. I know Mark talked about it last show, but uh, on Friday, I'm not going to be able to make it. Mark's not going to be able to make it, so our moderator... Robert is going to step in and host his first show for game over. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. I was kind of split on the world juniors this year. Cause <clears throat> you know, all the stuff with hockey Canada, right. And the the board finally resigning kind of quieted everything down a little bit. And now there's a new temporary board in place. I think I'm going to watch the world juniors. We decided as a company, Not to do Game Over Juniors this year. Just nobody was really comfortable with it. We're running seven shows now on on Game Over. So we're we're just going to let that be for this year. We'll probably go back to it next year. Obviously, we didn't do it over the summer. The summer was like an absolute no for us as uh, the controversy was going on. But hopefully, we'll get it back. Oh, Sebastian's muted. Oh, my goodness. All right, we'll fix that right away. Let's figure that out. Uh, Every time... There's always something, but uh, yes, I got, I see Robert saying that uh, Seb is muted. Seb is not muted now. So basically what Seb said, is, uh, (laughs) he said, uh, happy holidays. His semester's finishing soon. And uh, yeah, fun, fun times. All right. So uh, destroyed my train of thought, (laughs) but uh, the world juniors, obviously around the corner. I'm excited to watch it just because, you know, Bedard right on the same team. It's going to be crazy. Uh, the the World Juniors that they were together for last year we we were kind of robbed of. I don't like I watched the gold medal game in the summer and saw like Mason McTavish having perhaps the greatest moment ever in the World Juniors, but like nobody really <laughs> talks about it because I don't think anybody watched that tournament. But this one no. I, I'm sure we'll have some eyes on it. Um, but let's get into the game, uh, Sebastian, because I feel like there's actually a fair amount to talk about in this one. And I wanted to start with Cole Caulfield because, like, we're going to talk about Anthony Richard, obviously. I feel like his goal was amazing. It's a really awesome story. But I was just looking through the data before we started the show. And I I, I didn't think the top line had, like, that spectacular of a night. But I noticed, like, Caulfield looked dangerous. Doc was moving the puck pretty well. Suzuki, I think, has been a little bit off lately. But then I went and looked into it, and they were the only line that were above 50% in shot attempt differential. The line was above 70% in expected goals for percentage. And because the rest of the team was so bad, Caulfield specifically was plus 57% in expected goals for percentage relative to teammates. A number I have never seen ever, which like in raw numbers, he was about 74.6%, which means the team without him was below 30%. No, below 20%. That's bad, yep. but good it's for coffee. Good.
0: <laughs> good for Caulfield.
1: But not, not good for anyone else. <laughs> I mean, yeah, pretty much like uh, the whole game, watching the guys skate to the bench and you, know, you hear all the time about uh, Colorado having the, the high altitude and that being an issue. You could tell it was for the team, like they just were not, they didn't have it in the bag. I, like in the first period, that line had the puck and had the Avalanche stuck in their zone with uh, I forget who I think it was Alex Newhook lost his stick, and they were had them hemmed in, but they couldn't create any offense and ended up doing a line change while they still had control because they they just had nothing left. It made me think of uh, the old Pierre McGuire uh, saying the sucking dirty pond water. It was uh, kind of <laughs> tough to watch tonight.
0: Yeah. But I think the player that caught my eye the most tonight was Kirby Doc. His, his transition game tonight was, was beautiful. Uh, Like the one, the one zone entry where, where then a penalty was called, which was on like the earlier slash instead of a very obvious trip at the end of, of his entry. That was just like, like, I would show that to players as just like, this is how you enter the zone on a solo rush, right? Like, You delay, you get into the zone, you go around behind the net, protect the puck, use your physicality, low center of gravity. Every aspect of it was beautiful. Uh, And it's nice to see Kirby Doc getting those mechanics down because one of his biggest issues in Chicago last year was, like, he always kept his center of gravity very high, and he was just constantly getting shoved off of pucks, like like he was weighing 110 pounds rather than 210. And he's getting those those mechanics down, and uh, he's looking... Very, very good for the Habs this season, and that 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 top line is so ineffective without him, which is really telling to like like, like the necessity of having a high IQ player complementing Coffey and Suzuki. Because I I still personally want to see Doc develop at center, but no one else on the team can come close to his impact on the top line.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the issue with the way the Canadians are. I don't wanna say built because it's not like Hughes and Gorton built this team. <laughs> they just inherited a yeah. bunch of really bad contracts and some good players to kind of build a ramshackle thing while they rebuild around it. But uh without like those three players, especially with Monaghan and Gallagher injured, there's really just nobody that can play with them, right? Like we we've seen Josh Anderson for a good stretch of games now. Too many games. He, he can't handle games. that line. Like he just can't think no. on their level. You know, we've seen Hoffman go up there, and like the underlying numbers are okay with Hoffman, but it seems like they get more concerned about having to cover for Hoffman and can't create as much offense with him there. So, yeah, it's like, just- honestly,
0: I I'd love to see uh, the Habs try either Drouin or Slavkovsky on that top line because. Well, with Slavkovsky, he just hasn't gotten a single shot there yet. And I think no one else on the team has earned a shot other than Doc. So, like, why not just try Slav on the top line? And Droy, I think, is the only other forward other than, than Doc and Slavkovsky that can actually think at the same pace as Cocktail and Suzuki. So why not give it a go, right? Also, he he'd be playing on his off wing, which St. Louis likes a lot. So... I feel like, like there are far worse options. Like I'd, I'd rather throw in Duran than try Anderson for the 11th time. Like, why yeah. not?
1: Yeah, Kay in the chat says, hey, quick question, what the F was Armia doing there? I'm assuming they're talking about the power play. I'm not sure, but hey, that's Yoel Armia who got an assist tonight, okay? Put some respect on his name.
0: Did he? he got, yeah, he got yeah. He did. On,
1: on Anthony oh, Richard's oh, goal. He was the guy who oh, made beautiful. the breakout. And then...
0: Yeah. Uh, what what uh, I mean... It-
1: who Was it who passed I it up to him? He, Jake Evans,
0: it was Jake Evans, but I mean, Armia, I think, got like a couple of shifts on that top line, right? In this game, um, yeah, I don't know what, I, I don't guess, know why. <laughs> he, he didn't he didn't look worse than Anderson did there, so there's that, I guess. Well, I think, um,
1: weirdly, I think Armia is a smarter hockey player than Josh oh, Anderson, I, I, but oh, he's
0: without a doubt like, far less yeah, skilled. Sure. I mean. Well, he's more, he's more skilled than yeah. Anderson. He's smarter than Anderson, but he can't think but he's fast. less consistent. He's less consistent than Anderson, which is a problem because Anderson's already inconsistent. Yeah. Um. Cause like with Armia, it's that all the tools are there, right? Like I completely understand why he was a first round draft pick. Like he has everything that most scouts would love to see in a player, right? He, ha- he has, the the soft hands, he has a wicked release. He has the physicality, like incredible puck protection skills. And he just, he puts it together once every 20 games and that's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, like you watch him in practice and it's, he looks like Mario out there. And then in games, I I feel like there's a disconnect between like the speed of his brain going to his hands versus... Like when you have time and space, right. And it, there's just yeah. some players like that. A lot of them like career NHLers who score or not NHLers, sorry, uh, American hockey league players who score like crazy amounts of goals in, in the AHL and they get their cup of coffee in the NHL and they can never really get over that hump. And part of that is just like manufacturing the speed from brain to hands, right. Or brain to feet and reacting to NHL speed. And it seems like that's been a consistent issue with army. And he is the player that he is, I feel like he's also been, you know, cursed by some sort of devil this year. <laughs> yeah. It's, I ran... it's, been a, it's
0: been a tough year <clears throat> even by his standards. It
1: has. And last year was much the same, right? I think he scored a goal yeah. early last year and then he went essentially the entire season without scoring until Does does he have end. like
0: like like fourteen points since he signed that contract or something ridiculous like that? Like Is it that he, high? He has, I mean it's like fourteen points in like seventy eight games or something, but like it's oh, he, rough. Had, he had
1: fourteen points last year. Oh, okay, sorry. Which is so he he's shocking. up to
0: seventeen then. Okay, wow.
1: Seventeen or eighteen if they haven't counted his assist tonight yet.
0: So I, I thought he was at two points before. No, no, he's so, he's got three.
1: So I I didn't know if oh, he okay, had sorry. updated his uh his assist yet. So he's got seventeen points on that contract. Brutal. Beautiful. What I find yeah. sad about Armia is like you If you look at his production as a Montreal Canadian before this year and you averaged out playoffs and regular season and you averaged it out per 82 games, people will not believe this. He has averaged as a Canadian, 17 goals per 82 games. And you watch him now and you'd never expect him to be able to score like that.
0: But I think the confidence is shot. Like confidence is shot. His confidence is absolutely shot.
1: And he's one of those guys who, because he's a relatively intelligent player uh, in terms of like puck protection and, and making the right play, that coaches have confidence moving him up the lineup, and I, I think he just needs to be on the fourth line. Like He is a luxury, amazing fourth-liner on a contending team, and in every other role, there's like too much pressure on him to score, and he just can't do it.
0: But he also just hasn't been good on Montreal's fourth line this season, so...
1: How, how much has he played I, I, on the fourth line i know he was tonight but
0: mainly mainly i think i, I feel like I'm he's played a lot sure with
1: the uh, with dvorak and he's played with monahan
0: i mean there's been a lot of line shuffling this season but i'm pretty sure he, he's played the most games on any line on the fourth like, yeah. he, like he and evans have been pretty much tied at the hip for the last like month and a bit so yeah
1: uh, noel yeah. says someone said last year they banked on the wrong finn and armia i mean i think <clears throat> anybody that went into like Deep diving analytics would have told you that, right? But,
0: but also you would not have been able to get a second in Justin Barron for you. at the deadline. That's true. So, well, I mean, you would have just lost in the, the free Habs, agency, right? And the Habs just didn't have the cap space, like, I, like to sign another, like, middle six winger. And I, I love Lekanen. I, I think he is an incredible second line winger. But the Habs just don't have the cap space to sign a second line winger. At five million dollars a season, I, I know he's making four and a half in Colorado, but he's taking a bit of a discount to stay in Colorado there. But well, he might have
1: taken a discount that, to stay in Montreal too. I feel may, like he, maybe he liked it may, It's hard to may, speculate maybe, on that stuff. But still,
0: like four and a, four and a half is what what Mike Hoffman's making, right? Like, yeah, the Habs would have had to 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 find salary somewhere, or it could have just meant that they wouldn't have been opened up to acquiring Sean Monahan in that first round pick. So if you look at it as trading Leckin and away for Baron a second Monaghan in the first right and whatever you
1: get from Monaghan
0: there's like a trickle yeah, down effect exactly. right I mean
1: yeah it's the same like, as like Cap Tyler Toffoli yeah like,
0: yeah it, it's space is just incredibly <clears throat> valuable in this league, it yeah. is
1: especially for a rebuilding team especially for a management group that's willing to weaponize it like they did with Monaghan right and you know, I think everyone loves Lekkanen at this point, you know, after scoring the goal on Jean-Baptiste Day to send the Canadiens to the Stanley Cup Final and then watching his success last year with Colorado, I, I feel like he went, he's gone from a guy who was a little bit divisive in the fan base to just like almost universally loved. People recognize his value yeah. now. He's played essentially first line minutes uh, with the Colorado Avalanche ever since he was acquired. Uh First or second line, been on their top power play unit and killing it. I believe he has like thirteen power play points now this year, after tonight scoring the power play goal. So great to uh, arc of his career for Archery Leckin after he was kind of pigeonholed in Montreal just because he was good defensively, but
0: uh and, and he he's almost viewed at like Armia is now a couple years ago in Montreal as. As a player who had scored in the past, but who had absolutely no finish, had like two breakaways a game and missed net every single time, but had defensive value, which is kind of what Armia is now, except for the, the breakaways, right? But yeah, like it's 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 so nice to see that 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 Lekkonen has has really returned to I guess what his potential was from the beginning, right? Like an 18 goal rookie season, everyone had high hopes. And then for a few years there where he was exclusively used as a shutdown guy without any offensive opportunities. Yeah. It's nice to see that his fortunes have changed for the best.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Uh, Anthony Richard, I feel like we've got to talk about him a little bit. Cause uh, obviously you always want to score your first goal as soon as possible in your NHL career. Uh, Richard had to wait until he was 26 years old. He turned 26 yesterday, but only his fourth NHL game and his second with the Canadians, wearing the name Richard, having the, the balls to put nine on his jersey while wearing Richard. That's oh, so good. I, I love, I love it. it. I love it. It's just, and I know he's not related to Henri or Maurice, but I do, I just love it. It's, it's such an image to see a Richard playing for the Montreal Canadiens. And has there been a better first goal that you can remember outside of like, I feel like Brendan Gallagher's was really nice.
0: He had a nice Uh, one. Yeah. Caulfield had a really nice one. Oh, sorry. Caulfield's takes the cake, right? As the OT winner. Um, But that was,
1: it was just brilliant. Like the shoulder to to get himself
0: space. He he, he used all the strength to uh, all the strength, like really to their maximum on that play. I, I think that play really encapsulates what he can be at his best, which is an extremely speedy North South player. Uh, he, he does lack that like lateral mobility and di- dynamic ability, but just blistering speed. And yeah, like, like, like he really used his body very well to shield the puck there then cut across and fooled Jorgev. Like it was, it was a very, very pretty, go- pretty first goal.
1: Yeah, it was great. And I, I do think he wore down as the game wore on a little bit. You know, the whole team around him was terrible, so I wouldn't like call him out or anything. But early in the game, I feel like he was really the energy guy. He was bringing everything uh, offensively. He was kind of the guy who was keeping things going for the Canadians. And over as the game wore on, I feel like his line kind of fell apart a little bit, but... That's not really on him, right? He he's the complimentary guy called out from the American Hockey League. But how do you how do you see him? Because at 26 years old, you're not a prospect. No. It, like obviously he is what he is, but he's scoring like mad with the Laval Rocket. Scores right away in his call-up from Montreal. Could be could he be a guy that's like the next Matthew Darsh who just like takes advantage of an opportunity and carves himself out an NHL career? this late in the game or is this like just calm down he's a guy who's probably going to go back into the ahl pretty quickly and score well there but this is not something to be
0: banking on i mean personally i like i i'm higher on richard than i am on a guy like like pozetta um I think that Richard is is limited. I, I don't think people need, can get their hopes up uh, of him being like a top nine NHL player. I, I just think the tools are too limited there in terms of 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 just high end hockey IQ and the playmaking upside and the dynamism and and I guess just like there is no east west movement in his game. It is entirely north south, which works fine in the AHL but limits you in the NHL. However, I think he could be a very, very, very effective fourth line checking forward on even a pretty good NHL team. Like he has, he has this, uh, he has the standout ability that any fourth liner needs in his speed and he creates with it. He has a good shot. He knows how to get the goalie moving uh, uh, through uh, across his, his crease. I, I think it's fully reasonable to, to hope that he can become a fourth liner on this team, but I mean, at the same time, you have a guy like, like Pitlick now in, in, in Laval, back in Laval to, to get Richard in, who I also think is a perfectly solid fourth line NHLer, right? Like fourth liners are just like, there are so many players that are good enough to be on like a fourth line in the NHL, especially on a rebuilding team. Mm -hmm. But, but Richard's story is just so compelling. And and I know like like I, I first took notice. Um I was at like the intra squad game uh that the Habs had in 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 uh training camp. And he scored like two or three goals in that game. I didn't care about the goals, it was just the speed. Like I was sitting pretty much at, at ice level, right like at center ice, and he was just zooming by. Like the speed is really, really incredible. Um and yeah i i'd i'd love to see him stick with the Habs. like it's it's a great story having just a richard in the lineup at all is just wonderful especially when he's wearing number nine as part of his number <laughs> uh so i i'd love to see him stick i just i just love
1: the cojones to sit there and put oh, in his jersey with the last name richard it's just to me that speaks to a guy who has so much confidence in himself that he's inviting that comparison even though he's not related, you know how crazy the Montreal like the the magnifying glasses. It that's just awesome. The fact that he scored right away is fantastic. I wish it would have been at the Bell Center because I feel like the pop, that would been fun. Oh, the pop would have been incredible. It would have been incredible. Hear Michelle LaCroix say his name. <laughs> like, come on, would have been perfect. But you know they'll take what they can get. All right, <clears throat> Jake Allen. Obviously there's not really that much to say I think anymore about the Canadians goaltending, but we have to shout them out because how how can they keep doing this to him you know like <laughs> he has to put up with so much and I feel like the Canadians what they lacked in stopping passes going through the middle of the ice tonight they made up for in a lot of ways in shot blocking but panic is the name of the game for their defensive structure right now. Oh, God, and yeah. the goaltenders have had to be incredible and Allen was tonight. But uh, I guess also for everybody who's here and enjoying the stream, make sure you like and subscribe and all that jazz. But Sebastian, what did you think of Jake
0: Allen? He's stealing games. Uh, both he and Montembeau have been stealing games all season. Um, the Habs really shouldn't have one of like the 10 best goalie tandems in the league, but they somehow do so far. Um, I, I'd be very curious to see... If, if teams just make overpayment offers for Jake Allen at the deadline, I, I don't think Montau is gets going to get quite the same attention uh, in the NHL, just because he doesn't have that track record. Right. Whereas Jake yeah. Allen has been part of a Stanley cup winner, even though he didn't play in that playoff run, he was part of that team. Uh, and same thing in, in the Habs playoff run, the Habs wouldn't have made the playoffs if it weren't for Jake Allen that year. And he has that, that veteran presence. He's, he's signed at a reasonable number for the next few years. I know he's signed that wanting to stay in Montreal, but if a team comes in with an offer, the Habs can't refuse just because Jake Allen really has been stealing games for a bad team this season. That could be an interesting thing, but he's, he's been, he's been incredible. And I, I really have a, a, like a true appreciation for Jake, for Jake Allen. I I've, I've loved him his entire tenure here. He's one of the the funnest interviews on the entire team consistently. Uh, He's a likable veteran who is also just very, very, I guess, honest and realistic with his own valuation and his own like role on this team. And, and I really appreciate that. Uh, So part of me does want him to just stick around because I, I, I like having him on this roster, but the Habs might just get offers for him and on this team and with the, the direction they're going in, the more draft picks you can add or futures you can add you kind of have to consider it.
1: Yeah, you do. And it's probably a little bit tougher to, to move a guy with two years left, but his contract's not that big and you can always take Especially back goalies salary. Who, like,
0: yeah. like goalies age better than basically any other, other position. Right. So, as volatile as they are, Jake Allen has been consistently good for the Habs, and yeah. and he's he has not declined with age yet, just yet. So, I I could see a desperate team with an injury just taking a run at him, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, or
1: a team like Edmonton who needs somebody oh. to be there for uh, for Skinner, and it, so far it hasn't uh, been Campbell. But uh, you know they're going to trade for, bad for Edmonton Campbell. first. <laughs>
0: Oh, or or package deal.
1: Why not? There you go. Josh Holloway, their first round pick, and Jesse puglia Throw Anderson
0: in as well. Just just get all their (laughs) prospects, all their picks.
1: All right, so mega deal with the Edmonton Oilers. It's Josh Anderson, Jake Allen, and Joel Edmondson going to Edmonton for Jesse puglia Holloway, and their first round pick. Does that seem fair?
0: I think you can get another first round pick.
1: Two first round picks? All right. Done deal. Call Ken Holland. (laughs) Sign it up. Run away, hang up the phone, it's done. (laughs) Noel says the Oilers wish. Yeah, I mean, Jake Allen is such a stabilizing presence, right? And everyone's talking about his quote from the other night, the hot and horny thing. Oh, it's great. It's so funny. (laughs) And I, I feel like that's an underrated thing that we don't see a lot with Jake Allen. I've heard a lot from people around the league is that he's like legitimately really funny in the locker room and guys really like him, which I think gives guys like something to play for as well. Even in a season that's, you know, doesn't have a lot of stakes. And uh, Miss Epica in the chat says that Alan plays a lot better when the Canadians score first. And I think that's true as well, but I think that like you're also, we're also biasing the results there because when the Canadians don't score for first, it's usually because Alan's given up an early goal Like, that's just the way it goes. You can tell really early whether or not Allen is on or not. And uh, tonight, very clearly, he was on. And uh, I feel like, unfortunately, the Rantanen goal was not one of the top shots that he faced tonight in in overtime. But, you know, you can't really fault a guy for the 2-on-1. He should
0: have conceded, like, four goals in this game. Yes, easily. Can't really fault him. Yeah, the Colorado Avalanche had some
1: crazy, crazy chances. And I feel like as much as uh, Allen was good the defense blocked lots of shots. The Avalanche weren't like their finish was off a little bit to me. They were a little bit sloppy. They like they were very good at taking advantage of the Canadian sloppiness and their bad puck management, but in terms of converting that into scoring plays, it felt like they were a little bit sloppy tonight compared to what we would expect, and maybe that comes down to missing some guys like they are some guy named Nathan McKinnon's out. I don't know if you've heard of him. Who? Yeah, never heard of him. No
0: one important. No idea. Nah.
1: No one like Sean Monahan or anything. No no one important to the team. Although there's there's one a possible trade situation heading into the deadline. McKinnon? No, no, no not McKinnon. Okay. No, no, I'm that saying, would be great. Like, Imagine. It. No, no, no. Uh, Let's just
0: offer him David Savard, right? Like, Savard, <laughs> McKinnon, one for one, will make the cap space work somehow, I'm sure. but
1: And, and this has gone totally off the rails. But I, I'm looking <laughs> at the Colorado Avalanche and the loss of Nazem Kadri over the offseason. Like, is JT Comfer who they want to go into the playoffs with as their second-line center? I know he had to be their first-line center tonight, but I don't know if he's even a second-line center. Like, he's been a decent third-liner for a long time, but they want to win another cup this year, would... I could see them looking at Sean Monahan and the exceptional season he's had so far. And as long as he can stay healthy, that could be an ad for them.
0: I could, I could even see them going for a guy like, like Dvorak instead, or, or just trying to get one of the two out of Montreal, because I, th- I think Dvorak would fit their style really nicely of just adding some of that grit for the playoff run. He has the face-off capabilities. He has the defensive consistency, um, but does he Monahan? I mean, I think uh, uh, he, he's a very I'm good sure he penalty didn't. killer. He's, he a, he's is, a very good penalty killer. He is a good penalty killer at, at the at the very least. He has a penalty killing. Yeah. Um, but obviously, Monahan's a better fit in terms of of just cap because the Habs just retain half and then they're rid of the contract. Uh, but I, I'm very curious to see in what direction the Habs go between now and the deadline because. They could just shop their expiring contracts, but they could also shop guys like Anderson and Allen and Dvorak and try to just, I guess, sell as much as possible because the 2023 draft is pretty stacked. And if they can get another first round pick or two, that would be uh, very, very interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they can get another 2023 first round pick, they kind of have to do it, right? Like there's, there's yeah. not much that isn't nailed down that they wouldn't be willing to move for that. You, you've got to stack as much as you can right now because this is the time where you have a bunch of players who are going to graduate into the NHL around the same time and you actually build a contender around this this really deep draft where they already have a lot of picks. But, uh, oh, Kay says she has to check out. Oh, no, Claire has to check out. So, good night, Claire. Thanks for joining us on this slightly late night, delayed by overtime and a late start tonight. But, uh... Trying to think of what else there is to talk about for this game. I feel like not a lot. The Canadians weren't very good, right? But let's let's do uh, (laughs) let's talk about the twenty twenty three draft just shortly here because obviously the Canadians do lost two first round picks, right? And the Florida Panthers lost again. Which is fantastic. It reminds me of that uh, the meme with the two guys in the bus and one looking out the the window and seeing the rock and set it's like when the Canadians win and ruin the tank and then it's like when the Florida Panthers lose and fix it again. Yeah. It's Really funny how much that team has not been able to sucks. get it together. And they've been like, bad. Their underlings are actually fine.
0: No, yeah. I, I know they are. Their, their finishing has been through the floor. They, they just cannot oh, yeah. score if their life depended on it. And they've been losing leads consistently. They, they were up on New Jersey today and they blew it.
1: Who would have guessed that the incredibly unreliable season to season goaltending that they relied on last year would not be the same this year. And,
0: and who would have thought that Paul Maurice did not actually would not actually improve the team?
1: Funny how no. you mention <laughs> <laughs> the all-time losingest coach in NHL history, who <laughs> consistently has had terrible goaltenders his whole career, except for Connor Halibut and you know Sergei Bobrovsky. You look at his career, right? And it's almost every season after season, it's like great season, terrible season, great season, terrible season. It switches constantly. And Sergei Bobrovsky, great season last year. Not so good this year. Predictable, right? And then Spencer Knight, young goaltender, not ready to take the reins. Predictable. So this whole situation with the Florida Panthers is giving the Canadians most likely at least another mid-first round pick. Who are some guys that you have your eye on, Sebastian, in that middle of the first round uh, for 2023?
0: I mean, it, it's tough to say at this point, just because I, I'm I'm at this point really waiting for Bob McKenzie's midterm rankings to kind of just get a better sense of where NHL teams think guys are going to go, because I have a guy ranked fourth overall that I think could very realistically be available at 16th, uh, oh,
1: wow. and
0: that is Andrew Cristal. A- Andrew Christall, uh is like if it weren't for Connor Bedard, he would be like the biggest focus in the WHL in terms of point production. Uh, he's sitting at, I believe, right around 1.8 points a game on a Kelowna Rockets team that uh, is bad. They are under 500 uh, on the season. Uh, he is leading their their team in points by like 15 or 20 points. Uh, he is just dominant on that team. And uh, he, for some reason many lists that are like actually consulting with NHL teams have him like the back of the end of the first, or even like he wasn't even an A grade prospect until a month ago, which is just absurd to me. Uh, Like, like I, I released my first actual ranking today, which is only a top 20 because I've been like, it's been, it's been really tough to kind of split hairs in like the late end of the first for me. Uh, But I was really considering putting Crystal above Mitch, Mitch at three. Like I, I really, really love Kristal. He's the he's the best playmaker in the entire draft class. Uh, tremendously skilled, super deceptive, uh, incredibly dynamic. Uh, he's not the quickest necessarily, and he and he is undersized, but he's not tiny or weak. He uses his skill, his size, quite effectively to leverage opponents off the puck and to win board battles. He's really inside driven. He initiates contact quite consistently the big thing with him is that there was like next to no defensive work rate uh, at this point in his career. And that, that is like legitimately my biggest worry with him. Uh, But the, the offensive skill is just so high end. I would, I would swing on him at fourth overall, fifth overall, sixth overall. So if he's available for some odd reason in the 16 range with the Florida pick and the Habs get a player with, very legitimate first line upside as a winger uh, for Ben Chirot, uh I'd be very happy. I, I would really like that personally. Um, so he, <clears> he's definitely one that I have my eye on.
1: Yeah. The way that you described him sounds like a poor man's Nick Suzuki, basically a Nick Suzuki without defense.
0: He, I would say he's more of, of, of again, it's not a perfect comparable, but like no, a few people no purple, purple have said it, but more along the lines of a Mitch Marner that that that's that that's more the comparable I would make. Um, and I wouldn't really have many detractors to take to like reduce his value compared to Mitch Marner in his own draft year. Wow. I mean, Marner went, for, went fourth overall in 2015, which was the last draft that was comparably good to 2023. Um, and I have Chris all at four. So I, I I can I, I can totally see this, those comparables of just like genuine elite game breaking skill and playmaking ability. He also has a very good shot and he finds open space very very well. Like he is he's a tremendous player. If we're talking poor man's Nick Suzuki, there we could go a bit further down the draft. Uh, there is uh there, there are two OHL centers that I could kind of like put more in that kind of range. Uh, Luca Pinelli who plays for for Ottawa and uh. Callum Ritchie, who plays for Oshawa. Uh both of those guys are, are really smart 200 foot centers, um, whose skating is not necessarily the biggest strength. Uh, so th- there you kind of have that that Nick Suzuki mold. Um, and both of the I-, I have those two ranked back to back, I believe at like 14 and 15, or no, no actually, I have a uh, Pinelli at 14, Braden Yeager at 15, and um Callum Ritchie at 16. But Braden Yeager, I think, is also kind of kind of comparable in there, but his defensive game has dropped off so far this year. Last year, he was looking like a really, really good defensive center. And this year that just has not been there.
1: Interesting that usually you don't see a drop off like that unless a player is no. traded to a different team or taking on like a way bigger role, something like that. But,
0: and he, he has the exact same roles last season. He was playing for a center last year as well. So, so random, that, Yeah. So, so Jaeger w- w- was in a lot of like top five rankings going into the season and he still isn't a few that I'm seeing. But for me, I I, I wouldn't consider him in the top 10, really.
1: Yeah, Aaron Inovitch is in the chat saying, if the Habs get crystal we might get a Hudson-level reaction video. I mean, everybody loves yep. Lane Hudson right now. I, I've seen some wild takes recently. I think people are just... Traumatized by watching the Canadians' power play, and they want him to go pro
0: next year. I mean, it's not happening. Look, I, I, I ranked Lane Hudson eleventh overall in the draft last year. I, um, which I believe is higher than any other public scout had him. Um, even I'm saying, like, give him one more season in, in the NCAA. Like, I like just give him. Don't rush him. Like, be careful. Don't make the mistakes that the organization has made so many times before. Uh, just give him time to marinate for one season uh, on top of this one. But yeah, like what, what Aaron is referencing there is cause I, I was live streaming the draft and, uh, when the Habs picked Hudson, I kind of freaked out. Um, <laughs> and if the Habs got Cristal, I'd also kind of freak out. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely correct. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, let's, let's cut it there. Cause I'm tired <clears throat> and, uh, it's a late game and I've got to get up when the kids get up <laughs> tomorrow morning. <clears throat> Sorry. Stuff. But before we close it out. Trizak says that Anderson is to NHL GMs like the bad boy is to girls. They both look at him and say, I can fix him. Every team wants Anderson. I have to say, <laughs> you're probably not wrong. But watching this game, I continually, all I could think watching Nakushkin was, Nakushkin is who teams think Anderson is. And mm-hmm. so many teams. But Anderson just isn't
0: Nakushkin. No, just no. Isn't
1: and he can't uh, be. Sadly, he he, no. he, have, he he doesn't have he doesn't
0: have la- he lacks the dynamic ability. He lacks the hockey IQ, and he lacks the hands. Like yeah. there's way too much missing there.
1: Yeah, yeah. He can drive the net. He can do that part, but he can't he can. get the shot yeah. off.
0: No. Yeah.
1: All right. Or play consistently. Or play consistently, but you know, someone trade for him. Someone trade a loss for him. It'll be great. I swear, it'll he work two out. two
0: first round picks, please.
1: You can fix him. You can do it. The Canadians, they're not good enough to fix Josh Anderson, but you team that's a Our contender is
0: not is not is not progressive enough to fix e- Josh Anderson.
1: Exactly. You can figure it out. You contending team. You can put him with the guy who's gonna change everything for him. He's gonna score 35 goals. It'll be perfect. Robert says, I can fix him. All right, to the Leafs then. Josh Anderson to the Leafs. That's what we're doing for the entire Sucer Greyhounds. Give us All the under. Right. <laughs> just the <lender. laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Thanks for joining me, Sebastian. Uh, before we close it out, Sebastian, can you tell everybody where to find your work?
0: Uh, mainly just on Twitter. Uh, it's, it's hi underscore Sebastian on Twitter. Um, I I will be releasing my full top thirty two rankings for the for the draft right around New Year's. Uh, so I'm I'm excited for that, and uh, expect lots of World Junior updates. I'll also get back into the habit of uh, making some more of the video analysis threads that I was doing over the summer, which were all quite popular. Uh, so if you have any suggestions, feel free to write me a message. Uh, but yeah, basically just Twitter is is where I centralize all of my work.
1: Yeah. And those threads were fantastic. If we could just get like every couple days a Lane Hudson thread, I feel like everybody would be very happy. That would
0: be that would make my, my my mental health so much better just by watching more Lane Hudson. Like I'd be so happy.
1: <laughs> it's just the same thread, but you can just release it every couple days. Just like a little <laughs> shot of uh, endorphins there. It'd be fantastic. All right, everybody <clears throat> happy holidays. Have a good one. Enjoy time with your families. Be very, very nice to Robert when he hosts on Friday, you owe it to him. He's fantastic. Best mod in the world. And uh, I will see you next Wednesday when I'm back from holidays and uh, hopefully this team will give us more positives to talk about there I don't care if they win or lose but I'd like to see them play a little bit more like they did against the lightning because you know I know they lost that game but they lost it more on bad luck at even strength and bad special teams and than bad play huh? even strength they played great tonight not so much Arizona not so much and that Ducks game let's not talk about it all right we'll see you next Wednesday talk to you later
0: Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada Sportsbook.